it is absolutely remarkable how many people go into business and then basically wing the sales conversation, never doing any practice, vomiting all over their prospective clients and end up leaving themselves feeling incredibly cold. Um, so today I'm going to be talking about what sales confidence looks like. You're listening to the Fearless Business Podcast. You're in the best place to learn about how to grow a business, get more clients, and make more money without fears and limitations, all while having fun in the process. Robin Waite is the founder of Fearless Business, a business accelerator helping coaches, consultants, and freelancers double their income and more. Now here's your host, Robin Waite. Yes, it's me, Robin Waits. I'm back again, the Fearless Business Coach, and today we are going to be talking all things sales confidence. I said in my introduction, um, it's absolutely astonishing how many people go into business expecting that they can just go out and sell effortlessly with very little to no friction and close business. And then they have a very nasty shock because all of a sudden they're thrust out into the limelight in front of their prospective clients and they struggle to sell. And certainly what then happens, they um, do what I call close backwards. So they lose leadership. Uh, and this might be you, this might be quite familiar to you. You lose leadership and then you start having to justify your position by, uh, and then also offer discounts to try and get somebody over the line. And the client kind of pushes you around a bit and eventually, you know, you agree on something, um, but it's not really what you went into that sales meeting thinking that you were going to come out with. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to break down, I'm not going to give you a full sales script today necessarily. Maybe that's something we can save for another episode. However, what I'm going to do is just lay down about six or seven tips around how to grow um, your own confidence around sales so that you can become not a killer salesperson, but an all-round awesome person who basically builds better rapport with your clients and is able to stay in control of that conversation and ensure that by, by the end of the conversation, the client knows exactly what it is that you can do, how you can help them, what problems you're going to help them overcome, what your process and system looks like in order to achieve that, and um, finally, how you're going to go back um, handling some objections and closing the deal. Because um, everybody thinks about sales as being this really negative, pushy, persuasive, aggressive process. It really isn't. However, you do st still need to be aware of what objections your clients typically come up with before they buy from you. And you know how to close a deal. Um, and there's, there's ways to do that so that you can stay in control of that conversation throughout and um, it not get too uncomfortable. I, I do have a saying though, you do want to get slightly uncomfortable during a sales conversation. If you're not getting uncomfortable, you're doing it wrong. Um, you don't want it to be so awkward. Um, otherwise that's probably a good indicator that it's not a good fit. Actually, that's probably a good place to start. Um, the, the most people, um, especially coaches and consultants, they see the initial consultation with the prospective client. They see that whole conversation as being a sales conversation. The reality is actually it's not. The a majority of that conversation is m mostly going to be around whether it's a good fit or not for you and your prospective client to work together. And you'll be looking out 
as the person who is potentially going to be taking this client on, you'll be looking out for red flags. Equally, your prospective client will be looking out for red flags in working with you based on your behavior, your actions during that conversation, the things which you say, your body language, your tonality, all sorts of different things, which they'll be picking up consciously and subconsciously. So it's super important that you go into that with your eyes wide open and you have some sort of a, a process uh, an outcome, but also that you look out for red flags because you should be listening into their tonality, their pacing, whether they try and push you around or not, what sort of questions they're asking for, what body language they've got, whether they're comparing you, you know, putting you on a beauty parade and comparing you to your competitors locally or something along those lines. All of those things which I've just mentioned there can constitute red flags. I'm a, I'm a fan of looking out for red flags. The co a consultation with a prospective client is a bit like playing Inspector Cluedo. You're going to be looking for clues throughout that conversation as to whether this is a really good fit for you or not. Um, and whether it's a good fit for your client, your prospective client or not. Because um, sometimes you might look at it and go, I'd love to work with them, but actually I can't really help them. And so a better result for them to get out of this conversation is a no, and then you send them off to somebody else. So how do we go about finding those clues? So I'm going to go and break this down into, I think I've got seven bullet points down here. So I'm going to break this down for you, and then I'll recap it at the end. The first way we look for clues is we use our eyes and our ears and our gut instincts. And the only way to do that is to slow down because if we're using our mouth too much and we're speaking all of the time and the client isn't getting an opportunity to speak, we're not gonna hear any of those clues that they might potentially give us. And so the best way to deal with that is to slow things down. And when you slow the conversation down, it allows for pauses in the conversation, which there's two benefits um, which come out of the back of that. So the first benefit is that your prospective client gets an opportunity to process a new piece of information which you've just given them. Okay, so those, they're, they're, um, a lot of people call it the silent close, and I think that's a bit negative and a bit nefarious. Actually, sometimes people just need time to think. So let's not think of it as a silent close. Let's just think of it as a pause in the conversation whilst you allow your prospect to, um, uh, uh, that piece, new piece of information to sink in. And what's going to happen is they're going to be um, tuning into whether they understand what you've just said, whether they think it's uh, a good fit for them, whether their gut instinct is saying, yes, I love that, the sound of that, or no, I'm not so sure about this, whether it might actually create a gut reaction which kind of throws them off a bit and they're kind of like a bit uneasy, but they need time just to resettle themselves, recompose themselves and get back into that conversation. So we slow things down. Now, what's happening as well, when you slow things down and you're allowing the client to process the information and then you can listen and hear what comes out of their mouth next, that typically is the greatest concern in that particular moment, the one thing which is going to stop them from potentially buying from you. So you need to listen to it. So you've got to stop talking, you've got to listen. So we slow down. And this is why, I mean, I call it STFU and I'm, I'm not going to, I'm actually going to refrain from swearing on this, but you can probably guess what that means. Shut that up and listen to your prospective client because you'll get to understand exactly where they're at in the moment. Just spend a moment observing them. Just look at them quizzically and um, see what their body language is saying. Are they taking notes? Are they focused on you? Are they looking up to the right, the left, down? Are their arms crossed? Are they leaning in? Are they leaning out? 
Um, could you, you know, sometimes you can say something and it could really be off, but you might think it's not, you know, totally innocuous, but it completely like throws them and puts them off. So just, just pause, have a look, STFU and see what's going on for them. And that's, that's the first tip, which I've got for you. The second tip, which I've got for you as well is assume a position of leadership throughout the conversation. Now, what I mean by this is when you, as a coach, a consultant or a freelancer, a lot of the time you are there to provide a service to somebody or there to serve and uh, consciously or unconsciously, you end up assuming that position of, you know, servant to somebody else's master or mistress. Okay. And it, it's, it, I've seen it happen so frequently. I used to do this when I was in, you know, during my agency days, when I ran the marketing agency, I'd come in, I'd listen and say, what do you want me to do? And we'd say, yes, we can do that. Yes, sir. No, sir. Three bags full, sir. And undoubtedly what would end up happening was we would end up kind of breaking our process when it come to, came to fulfillment because we hadn't productized what we were doing um, because we thought that was the right way to do it. Now, the thing is, um, would you go in and tell your surgeon how how to do open heart surgery on you? Probably not. And the thing is, as as business owners, as providers of services, you are there doing open heart surgery on people's businesses. They come to you as an expert because they need help with that because they can't do the open heart surgery yourself. So why are you listening to them and taking orders from them? You're the expert. So it's super important that if the client starts pushing you around a little bit and telling you how they want things to run and when they want things to happen by and how much things should cost, you need to push back on that and say, no, no, I'm really sorry, but that's not the way that I work. This, Let me explain our process. Or is it okay if I explain our process to you and explain how long our process is going to take and when you can expect to see results and outcomes and how much it costs you to get that result or outcome? When you assume that position of leadership, now most people think that they, at that point, they they stop serving, which you are, quite rightly. They they think that that's going to be very off-putting to a prospective client. Now, I look at this another way. If a prospective client starts telling me what to do and they can't follow my simple process and um, align themselves with one of my, you know, three to five core products that I sell, which I know satisfy most, most clients' needs, not all, but most, you know, 80 to 90% of our clients' needs, then I know that that's a red flag, okay? Because they can't follow simple instructions. Now, a major part of coaching and consulting is that people need to be able to, like clients need to follow simple instructions because otherwise, if they don't follow those instructions, they're not going to get the result or outcome which they've, they, they desire or that you've promised them. So actually, this is a bit of a test during this um, initial con- consultation with a client. You're testing their metal. You're seeing if they can just follow a very simple instruction. Hang fire. Just, um, just you know, assume that position leadership. No, I'm afraid that's not how we work, but let me run you through our process and just see whether that, that fits. And when you assume that position leadership, you gain their respect. You gain their trust. They can see that you have a system or a process. It's exactly what a surgeon would do. If you, you became Dr. Google and you started telling a surgeon what to do, they'd say, no, no, just hold on a second. I spent, you know, seven years um, at... At doctor's school, medical school, and um, I've been practicing now for 20 years. I think I know how to open your heart up and fix you. Um, you would listen to them. You, you know, that's how we build trust by by other people sh- demonstrating leadership. So that's the second thing. Assume a position of leadership throughout. The third thing, which I alluded to at the start of the conversation, is getting uncomfortable on the sales call. When you challenge your prospects, uh, core beliefs, and their way of thinking, 
it's shifting them from the old way, which isn't working, to the new way, which is unknown for them. And that's quite a scary place for them to be. And sometimes that, when you challenge somebody's core beliefs, they're going to push back. Quite rightly so. If somebody challenged me in any situation to a duel or mentally, uh, I'd, I'd challenge them back. But it would be with a view to learning something. So again, this is a potential red flag situation popping up now. So if you if you push back and you challenge them, and they challenge you back and say no, that's not that's not it. And they're, they're very definitive about that. Again, they, they're struggling to follow instruction. They came to you as an expert. Remember, they need you more than you need them. Um, and um, you, you know, you might feel slightly challenged and feel slightly uncomfortable at that point. And that's perfectly natural, but you're doing it for the right reasons because you need to see that shift in belief in order for them to see the opportunity which you're presenting in front of them. Okay. And that's how you must remember it. Now they may, may feel a slight sort of, now they've been given this new piece of information. If you've paused, if you've slowed down and you've paused and you've given them a chance to process it, they may ask some questions to start to understand that belief. And that might be slightly challenging for both of you. You've got to actually do a bit of coaching work with them to help them see, like shift from the old way to the new way. And, and that is difficult. It is a difficult conversation. It's going to get slightly uncomfortable. So that's the third thing. Get uncomfortable on the sales calls. I've touched upon the fourth thing already, which is challenge your prospect's core belief. Again, if they're coming in saying, I want you to do it this way, red flag. Okay, that, that's, a, that's an issue. Um, if they're coming in saying, challenging you on it, but from a position that they want to learn, that's different. And you should be able to tell the difference between both, you know, each of those two different options. But you need to really show your prospect that, the, the new way of thinking is something which they haven't done before. Otherwise, if they would, if they're already doing it, then you wouldn't be having that conversation. And that that challenge again can be quite daunting for a prospect. It it essentially what's going on there is uh, with any new piece of information, our our RAS our reticular act, activator system gets triggered, um, and most commonly, what you'll have heard of is fight, flight, or freeze. So when you challenge somebody's beliefs fight, flight, or freeze happens. Somebody's challenging my authority. I'm, can I fight them? Am I so scared of the new belief, the new way that I just freeze? Or am I going to run away from it? And actually, that that's the bit that gets uncomfortable. That's the bit where you're challenging them. And, and you need to be able to identify that and give them time to process that new bit of information. So that's kind of linked, linked to the fourth, or that is the fourth thing, challenging your prospect's core belief, but it's linked to getting uncomfortable on the sales call. Um, tip number five is based around handling objections. Now, there's, this is actually kind of broken up into several parts as well, because the objection handling part of the piece, this is actually where we get into real sales. When you get into, when you do your pitch, when you get into handling objections and concerns, and then when you have to close the, close the deal, that that's, you know, up at like the first 30 minutes of the conversation is going to be quite nice, pleasant. And then we get into objections and things like that. And this is where we're going to pile on the pressure now a little bit. And um, we shift in from rapport to sales. Okay. Um, I, I hate those sayings. I really do. Um, but you understand what I, when I say those words, you know what I mean by it. So, um, and I can't think of a better way off the top of my head right now. So, um, so one of the things that most people do when they are, when you get, shift into, you've done your, imagine you've done your pitch and somebody comes back with um, some objections, okay? And they're quite tricky. Oh, that that's, seems expensive. Why should I trust you to do this? Can you, you know, how quickly can you get the results? Do you have any guarantees? They're all quite sort of punchy questions which you're going to get asked. And um, one of the things which I would say is many people, 
and this is really important to remember, many people when they're faced with objections shift into justification mode. I want you to avoid that at all costs. If you shift into justification mode, justifying your position in the world and why somebody should buy your products and things like that, all of a sudden you lose leadership because you kind of have to make excuses for yourself and we don't want to be in that position. And it will leave you feeling kind of slightly deflated and it, and it hands the baton back to your prospect. Um, sometimes, sometimes there are reasons why you might hand the baton back to a prospect, but you've got to do it purposefully. But during this part of this, it's essential that you keep control of that, you keep hold of that baton throughout. So one of the things which I recommend is when somebody throws you an objection, make sure that your answer is super brief. Because some some objections we get given as coaches, consultants, freelancers, they're a bit dumb. Like, let's be fair. They're a bit stupid. Um, but kind of they're just things which people say just out of habit because that's the way we think that that's how sale, we should object to somebody's sales pitch. Uh, we, so we just do it out of habit. Um, but what you want to do is keep your answers brief. So imagine, so somebody says, oh gosh, that's expensive. Don't start justifying yourself. Just say, well, yeah, it is. And that's it. That's all you need to say. You don't need to go into, well, we've been doing this for years and we've yada, 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 and this, that, and the other. If they ask, well, why you? You know, um, a very simple question you can ask is, what do you mean? Now, those four words are golden. Any sales objection you get, those four words, what do you mean? You can use it to bat off pretty much any objection or concern that somebody has, ha has got because they can't just ask the same question again or they can't just throw the same objection at you. They've got to come up with a different objection. They've got to come up with a different way of saying the same thing. And it makes them think quite deeply. And what happens is you then get to the, the heart of the matter. You get one step closer to understanding what their real objection is, because it's never really about price. Okay, you know, I'm the pricing guy. It's never really about price. You know, okay, if, if you're asking for a million pounds and they've only got a tenner in the bank, probably is about price and they don't have access to money. But in the real world, for most of us, price isn't really a thing. If if you're selling B2B especially, businesses have a budget for coaching to pay consultants and get freelance into their businesses. If they don't and they really want it, they'll find a way to make the money. So going back to my subject, they're keeping, keeping the answers brief. If somebody says, oh, it's too, that's too expensive, just say, what do you mean? Or yes, it is. Or cool, okay. Just keep it super brief. That's all you need to say. You don't need to say any, like justify yourself. They may come back and say, well, um, will this work for me? And you could just, again, keep it brief. Um, well, we've, we've worked with 250 clients at Fearless Business over the last, you know, five years. And we don't have a perfect, we don't have an absolutely perfect success rate, but we've got a 95% plus success rate with those clients in terms of doubling their revenue in three months. What do you need to see in order to give you the confidence in fearless business, at which point they might ask for testimonials, case studies, reviews, and things like that. So make sure you've got those to hand. And I'll talk to you about closing the deal in a second. But you can see there, my answer was 15 seconds long, max, I think, looking back at the recording here. Like super short, just keep your answers brief. Also, when you give your answer, pause. Let them fill in the gap, okay? Now I'm going to demonstrate this. I'm just going to pause for 10 seconds and... Let's see what happens. And there you go. 
that was just 10 seconds. And now I'm comfortable with that. I love, I love those periods of silences. It's golden. It just gives me time to collect my thoughts, to just check in with the, the other person and see how they're feeling at this point in the conversation. But most people love to fill the gap. They can't stand silence, okay? And this is a game you have to play with your prospect. You have to just say something, handle their objection, and just sit there in silence until they come back and say the next thing. And, and throw their next objection or concern at you. Allow them to talk themselves into working with you because that is what they will undoubtedly do. People who struggle with sales are the ones who just do way too much talking. Yappy, yappy, yada, 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 yada. They just can't help themselves. They're just yapping away all the time. Bit of a silence. Oh, we've got to fill it in with something. Oh, let's have a look at this. And oh, let's go and have a look at it. And it's just like, it's actually really, really overwhelming for the person who you're sat opposite because they've got all of this new information, they're trying to process it, and all you're doing is just giving them more information to process. So super important to make sure that you, you put those um, purposeful pauses in there and slow down. And the final part of the objection handling process is don't go backwards. You want to close forwards, okay, in handling objections because, I mean, unless, unless they turn around and said, that thing which you said about product architecture, Robin, I don't understand that. Could we go over that again? If you get a clear and, and explicit instruction to go back over, you know, um, over a piece of information again in your process, um, then do it. Fine, go backwards. But where you want to don't. But if they don't ask for it, don't start going back over your pitch. Don't start going back over loads of old stuff which they've said. Keep the conversation moving forwards so that there is a, a clear outcome, a clear destination for both you and your prospect to to go through. Okay, so that was, that's just. I mean, I've just given you a few tips there. I mean, again, maybe I need to do an entire episode on sale, handling sales objections, and we have a whole list of objections, and then I would show you how to close, how to handle those. I'll probably need a stooge for that though. So if you're if you're interested, if you want to be a stooge on the Fearless Business Podcast and do some uh, sales role play with me, uh, like please please reach out to me. Drop me an email, Robin at robinweight.com or Robin at fearless.biz, and I'll I'll um we'll we'll get that lined up because I think that'd be really good fun. I can do you on the get get you onto the interview series for that and obviously a big good chance to promo your business um that said uh we have a final step step number six which is closing the deal again it's remarkable how many people get a yes from a prospective client the client says well, what happens next and then then you hear like the conversation the person's like floundering and they're like oh well uh i, I guess i'll send you the invoice for the deposit and um uh yeah and then and then we'll get started no, you need, again, like, like I said, close forwards in the previous tip, make sure that you have a clear and specific set of next steps for the client to, um, uh, to undertake once they've said yes at the end of the conversation, okay? So what this might sound like is, awesome, I'm so excited to be working with you. I just wanted to check, um, did you want to pay um, the deposit and the instalment plan or did you want to pay in full? And they'll go, oh, the installment plan, that'd be great. Okay, wonderful. So what's going to happen next is um, you're going to get two emails from me. The first email is going to be my contract, which I need you to sign, date, and return within the next 24 hours, if that's okay. The second thing which you'll get from me is the enrollment fee invoice. Again, that needs to be paid at the same time as you're sending the contract back, uh, just so I know that you're, you're committed to this. Is that okay? Can you do that for me? And then hopefully they'll say yes. And the moment you then put the phone down or end your Zoom call, you log into your CRM, you send over the contract, you log into Xero QuickBooks and you send over that enrollment invoice literally within 60 seconds of that, that conversation finishing. Also, don't be afraid 
to follow up about 15 minutes after that with a short, uh, with a quick text message or WhatsApp saying, hey, uh, Dave, just checking that you got my contract and the invoice. If there's anything you're not sure about, please find me a text message or WhatsApp back. Guarantee, if you have a very clearly defined pathway to enroll clients, they will pay straight away and sign the contract straight away with very few questions, if any at all. And you need to make that as smooth as absolutely possible. Okay. I'm just going to very quickly recap those um, six tips, six steps. And then what I'm going to do is I'm just going to give you a little bonus tip as well, which is quite important, which I thought of whilst I was recording this. So tip number one, slow down. Give your prospect time to think about what it is they're saying, absorb that new piece of information, and then speak up and answer you back. If all you're doing is just yabbiting on, they're not going to get a chance to process that information. It's actually going to be a turn off, not a turn on. So you want to slow down and listen. Second thing is make sure that you do introduce periods of silence. I call them STFU moments. Super, super important because... Um, it just it allows for a safe space for the person to then just process their thoughts, compose themselves, and then continue the conversation when they're ready. So you're kind of handing them the baton a little bit, but you're in control of that conversation. It's super important. Uh, tip number four, uh, three, sorry, was around assuming that position of leadership throughout the conversation. Um, that was um, that's super important. You don't want to be a servant. You are there to serve, but you don't want to be a servant. So make sure that you are in control of that conversation throughout. Tip number four was split into two different things. So get it, make sure you do get uncomfortable on that conversation. Challenge your prospects on their core beliefs. If you're not getting uncomfortable on the sales conversation, you're doing it all wrong. Um, step number five was around handling obje objections. Keep your answers brief. Pause. Don't go backwards, close forwards. And then the final tip, which I had in there, was about closing the deal. Make sure that you have two or three solid next steps to end the call with, with clear instructions around things that you want to happen within specific timeframes. Now, the bonus tip, which I um, uh, mentioned, and I did, did you uh, mention these words earlier on as well, sales role play. This is an absolutely integral part of becoming confident in sales, okay? Now, if you have a coach or a mentor or a friend, a business associate, a friend, a colleague, um, just jump on and spend 30 minutes, 60 minutes on a Zoom call with them practicing your sales conversations. Go through your script, practice the six steps, throw objections at one another, handle those objections, close the call down. Like just practice, practice, practice. There's no point in trying to wing it, you know, during your next sales conversation. If you've had some practice before and are able to get uncomfortable during a conversation in a comfortable environment, practicing with a friend or a colleague or a coach, you're going to have a much better success rate when it comes around to the actual conversation itself. And the second thing on top of that, and this is actually something which we do in Fearless Business, I proactively encourage all of my clients to record their sales conversations. So like in a world of Zoom, where most people are transacting now, you know, online, you can set, there's a setting in Zoom where you can set it to auto record. Now I've done seven or 800 consultations over the past few years, and I've only ever been challenged on having it recording already when somebody shows up, I think twice in that time. And one of them was like, no, don't record it. Cause they had very sensitive stuff in all fairness. And the other person was like, yeah, okay, thanks. I'll, I'll use it for my notes which was great, you know, more than happy with that. So um, get into the habit of recording your sales consultations. Make sure that you have a folder somewhere on your computer where you like keep those, store those audios, audio files in a GDPR compliant fashion. I hate GDPR. It's rubbish. Um, <laughs> probably any, any accountants and lawyers and people like that 
will be now squirming in their seats, HR people saying, no, you need GDPR. Yes, yeah, all right, okay, we need GDPR. So save them in a, in a safe place. Um, but do save your audio recordings. Listen back to them per- periodically um, because those sales calls will massively inform you around, um, you know, your focus is so much on the client at the moment, you'll miss a lot of stuff. Um, and listening back to those calls, it's like watching a film two or three or four times. Every new time you watch it, you pick up something new within that film. So listen to the back. But also what we do in our um, in Fearless Business is I encourage our clients to record them and submit those sales um, recordings to me, obviously under an NDA, it's all in confidence. And I will critique it minute by minute. Um, literally, I'll write, you know, for a 30 or 40 minute sales consultation, I'll write about three or four pages of notes for the client going through how, how they handle objections. Did they assume leadership? Did they put enough pauses in there? What was their to- tone- tonality pacing like throughout the conversation? What was their body language like? Did they close it properly? Did they handle the objections? Everything that works. So there you have it. Record your sales calls, go for it and make sure somebody critiques and make sure you practice. Hope you enjoyed this episode of the Fearless Business Podcast. I've been your host, Robin Waite, the Fearless Business Coach. Don't forget to drop us a review on iTunes. That'd be super helpful. It just helps other people to find this podcast and hopefully get some great value from the tips we drop in here. Cool. Take care. I shall catch up with you on the next episode of the Fearless Business Podcast. Mm -hmm.